Um, we've been talking about childlike wonder, and our word for the year has been wonder. And uh, I'll be, I'm going to be real vulnerable this morning throughout this whole message when it comes to the subject of healing. Um, I've, I, even from the beginning of, of this wonder, idea of wonder, I felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about healing and those sorts of things. Um, but it, it's, I feel like it can be a difficult subject because especially, uh, I think, for our congregation, because we've been through a lot of disappointment when it comes to healing. And I can say personally that I have even become disillusioned in that area. And uh, I fully 110% believe that God heals and he still heals and he does and I've seen it happen. I've witnessed miracles before, but I don't understand why it doesn't always happen. And because I don't have that full understanding, it's really difficult for me to stand up here and talk about it because I don't have all the answers. And uh, no matter how much research I've done, even, even the, uh, the, the great, I guess you could call them healing evangelists um, that are around today, some of the more famous ones, I think of Randy Clark or Bill Johnson or, or, or there's, there's others as well, Todd White. When you ask them and when you Google them, because I Googled them, you know, like, hey, how do you explain this? You know, what, what's your guys' thoughts on this? And I watched a video of Randy Clark, Randy Clark last night, who, if you don't know who Randy Clark was, he, he was the point man in a revival that lasted 12 years in, in I believe it was in Canada, wasn't it? Or Toronto. Yeah, it was in Toronto. Uh, it lasted for 12 years. They had meetings every, every or six days a week for 12 years. Um, and, and throughout that meeting, just saw the manifest glory of God in just so many different ways, but especially in this area of healing. And so I'm like, if anybody has the answer to this question of why doesn't, why doesn't it always happen? Why does it seem to contradict Scripture? Because Scripture is very clear about healing. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit more. Um, but he, I, I thought if anybody has the answer, it's this guy who spent 12 years and really his whole ministry seeing people get healed all, just on, a, on an incredible level. And it was a 20-minute 20 uh, 20 long video, and he, he, he begins to explain, and, and I think maybe five or six times throughout the video, he says, so, why, so why, doesn't, why doesn't it always happen? And he goes, I don't know. I'm like, well, thanks a lot, Randy Clark. That was a huge help. That was a huge help. Thank you. And then at the end of it, my favorite part is he, and, and he gives, he says, you know, there are, there are answers, but there's not one, there's not one answer. There's not like one size fits all reason. There's, there's multiple things. And again, I'm going to get into some of that here a little bit. Um, but, but with the way he ends it, I love it. Cause he gives some just really good points. This spends 20 minutes. Then his last point, his last point of the whole video is, you know, I, I don't know why we don't get healed, but I do know we're all going to die. So, and then the video ends. I'm like, that was so encouraging. Thank you so much, Randy, for that explanation. But, but, but the point, what I want to preface with all of this is I want to be very vulnerable here and, and tell you that this morning, this week of planning this message has been difficult because I, I, I have a hard time getting up and, and declaring something where I myself have struggled with understanding. But um, I'm getting way ahead of myself, so let me just stop there, and let's just, let's just get into, let me just start from the beginning here. So 
This idea of childlike wonder is what we've been talking about, right? So this comes out of Matthew 18, 20, Matthew 18, two through four is where we, uh, where we get this idea of childlike wonder. And it says, Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well, unless you dramatically change your ways of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter it, enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. So I've been giving you different attributes of a child. We've talked about how children are teachable. We've talked about how they, uh, they lack, a, um, lack influence from the opinion of man. Well, this morning I want to talk about this idea of childlike wonder. Children think their dad can do anything. They think their dad can do absolutely anything. So my kids, for instance, I, I do this thing with them all the time. And they always ask me to do it where I, I take my finger off just like that. And to this day, they still believe that I can take my finger off. They're like, Dad, take your finger off again. And then they do it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Do it again. Do it again. How do you do that? And then I'm like, here, you try to pull it off. And they can't do it. I'm like, you just must not be strong enough. You know, you got to be strong enough to pull it off. And so they, they still to this day believe I can pull my finger off. Um, not pull my finger. That's a whole different thing. That's, that's, that's my dad and Poppy's area of expertise. I'm not quite there yet. And then I, then I do this with them. I've got this, this little magic ball that I have, that I can play around with. And I mean, you guys have figured out by now, you know, it's a, it's a little thumb, but they still don't realize that yet. They're still, they still think that there's a little re invisible red ball that's laying around the house somewhere that only dad knows how to pick up and throw and that I eat it and then spit it back out. And you know, it's, it's crazy. So just childlike wonder, they, they think I can do anything, including see invisible magic red balls, right? Another thing they always do, they, they, they bring me, they, they, we have, they have millions of toys, obviously, and they, they break on a consistent basis. So they'll bring me their toy, and it can be shattered in a million pieces. I mean, completely unfixable. And they, they bring it to me, Dad, you can fix this. You know, Dad can fix anything, right? I don't know why they believe that, because rarely do I ever fix it. I have a whole shelf of broken toys. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll get to that, buddy, and uh, put it on the shelf. And then they just forget about it over time, so it kind of works out. But, but they have this belief that dad can do absolutely anything. Like, there's no limit to what my dad can do. And part of being in childlike wonder is having this belief that our dad can do absolutely anything anything and everything. We can bring him whatever broken toy, whatever broken part of us we have, and he can fix it. No matter how broken it is, he can fix it. Amen? So this is what childlike wonder looks like, is that we believe our dad can do absolutely anything. Amen? Let's look in Mark chapter 9. This is where we're going to be spending the remainder of the service here in this chapter. So in this chapter, a little context, Jesus, Peter, uh, James, and John are coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. So they're coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, um, and they get to the bottom of the mountain, and that's where we pick up here in verse 14 in chapter 9. It says, Now when they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them, and the religious scholars arguing with them. 
The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking toward them, so they immediately ran to welcome them. What, what are you arguing about the religion? I'm sorry, verse, what are we at? Verse 16, it says, what are you arguing about with the religious scholars, he asked. So we're going to stop there. Um, what are you arguing about with the religious scholars? So when Jesus comes down from the mountain, he finds his disciples in this crowd of people arguing with this group of scholars. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what they're arguing about, but given the context of what's going on at this moment, we can pretty safely assume that what they're arguing about is miracles. What they're arguing about is healing because the boy or the, the father brought this young man who in other, uh, in other uh, uh, books of the Bible, and when they give this account, they say he's an epileptic. And here it reveals that his epilepsy was brought upon by a demon of a demonic spirit. And so this father brings the, the boy to his disciples who at this moment, the disciples represent the authority of Jesus because a few chapters earlier in uh, Matthew chapter 10, and then I think also in Luke chapter 10 as well, Jesus gives his disciples the authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to cleanse the leper. You remember that? Everybody remember when Jesus did that? He sends out the 70. I think it's 70. Is that right? He sends out the 70 to, uh, to go into different towns to preach the gospel and to cast out the devils, to heal the sick, and to do the work of the ministry. And so they are at this moment, since Jesus is not there, they are the authority for healing at this point. So the boy, or the father brings the boy to them, and the Bible says that they were unable to cast out the spirit. We're going to talk more about that in detail here at, towards the end of the service, but at this point, they were unable to cast out the spirit. So what, what you can imagine this argument is, is the religious leaders are arguing that healing does not happen, Right? And the, and the disciples are saying, no, it does. I don't know why it hasn't happened here, but it does happen. And what, what you realize, what you begin to realize is, is that these religious leaders are coming from a, a viewpoint and a study and a religion that was birthed out of 400 years of silence. That the Jewish religion, that the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all of them were born out of a period of time where, there, that where God shut his mouth and he didn't speak and he didn't perform miracles. He, he went completely silent for 400 years. Between Malachi the last prophet and, Ma, er, and John the Baptist and Matthew, there's 400 years where God said absolutely nothing and did absolutely nothing. And in that time was when this religion um, was born where the scribes had come from. They had came up with the oral law, uh, which is called the Mishnah, which is, uh, which is not the Bible, which is not scripture. It's an addition to. And so they birthed this religion out of, um, out of, out of um, a period of time where there was no miracles happening. And, and what's interesting is, is they still had the Old Testament that they were reading. So they read stories of miracles happening. They read stories of God performing mighty miracles and deeds, but for 400 years it hadn't happened, so their grandfather and their great-grandfather had never seen it happen. You can imagine what kind of belief system that would create in the scribes. You can imagine what kind of walls they would have built up to this idea of miracles where they've read about them, they've heard that it can happen, but they haven't seen it happen for 400 years. 
what kind of doctrines are built. And, 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 and that's the thing is what tends to happen even in our culture nowadays is we read about the accounts of Jesus. We hear about these miracles. We may even hear testimonies of miracles happening other places. But because we've never seen them, all of a sudden we start creating these doctrines that justify our inability to see miracles happen. We start building these walls around our our hearts and these walls around us that justify the fact that we prayed and it didn't happen. And we prayed again and it didn't happen. And we prayed again and it didn't happen. And so then it starts, we start coming up, well, then maybe we were wrong. Maybe we were wrong about this and maybe there's something we're not seeing. So then we begin forming these other doctrines and opinions. And let me tell you, I'm not going to go into them today. And maybe we will at some point in time. These different doctrines that, that say that, that the gifts have ceased and that healing was only for the apostles and, and for, for the initial uh, um, uh, projection of the kingdom. And let me tell you, when in light of the scripture, those arguments are very paper thin. You cannot read the Gospels and not deal with the issue of healing. Let me read to you what Bill Johnson says about that. Bill Johnson says, you keep reading the Gospels and you find that healing never leaves the Gospels. It's always there on every page. At some point, you have to deal with it. You either have to turn a cold shoulder and think this is just not for me, it's not for this time, or else you're obligated to pursue healing and find out more about it. I wound up telling myself, I may stink at this, but it's pretty clear that we are supposed to do it. And then, like I said, we come up with excuses, but then we read scriptures like this in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 It says, and he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Verse six, whatever it is. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Here we go. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Go to the next verse there. Mark chapter 11 says, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to this truth I speak to you. If if someone says to this mountain with great faith, having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes what he says will happen, it'll be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. Keep going. Matthew 17 says, he told them it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and it will go over there and you will see it move. And there is nothing that you couldn't do. And then the next one. John 14, here's the big one that we, we, you, we quote all the time or a lot of healing ministers quote all the time. It says, believe that I live as one with my father and that my father lives as one with me or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. And then here's the, here's the, the killer right here. I tell you this timeless truth. 
The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father in heaven. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And in this, or in that, is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name. And how do you look at scriptures like and deny that Jesus wants us to operate in miracles? And this is the struggle. We hear this call from the Lord to operate in supernatural miracles. But the majority of the time, we don't see it happen. And what happens is we become disillusioned. We become disillusioned to the, the fact that we know it's supposed to happen, but it doesn't, so we tend to give up on it. Bill Johnson, where I got that quote from, was out of a book called Healing Unplugged. And in the book... Bill kind of explains his testimony. For those of you who don't know who Bill Johnson is, he's, he's, uh, he's a, uh, the senior minister out at Redding, California at Bethel Church. Um, incredible man of God. They have miracles happen in that church consistently, um, just all the time. They have, I think even on their website, they have medically documented miracles of what's happened in people's lives. So he, he knows what he's talking about with this. And, and he'll even admit that he, every time he prays for somebody, it doesn't happen. But what he, what he told, what he tells his testimony uh, in this book is what he says is, he, he says that he grew up in a house, he was a pastor's kid, and he grew up in a house that they believed in miracles. They believed that they could happen. And, and they practiced that at their church. They would have people come forward and they would pray for them to be healed. And it was a normal thing for him to grow up in. But he says he can remember having that happen and having that experience where they would bring people up in church and pray for them. But he says, as a kid, I can never remember not one time anybody being healed. And he said that it was one of those things where we believed God could do it, so we practiced it, but we really didn't have a whole lot of faith to actually believe that it would happen. He said, you know, we, there, a lot of times they, they say to, that when you pray for somebody for healing that you have them tested out, you know, so like if their shoulder's messed up, you pray for them, you have them kind of move it around to see if it happened. He said that most of the time they wouldn't even have anybody tested out because they were too afraid that it wasn't going to work. And he said when they would have them tested out, and it, 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 most of the time it, it didn't happen. And so he said, I grew up in that culture where I believed in miracles but I, I never saw it happen. So he, he used that word, I think, even, that he became kind of disillusioned to, to miracles. He said then he grew up and became a pastor himself. And he said he would go through these waves where he would read something about John G. Lakes and, and healing, you know, countless of people and, and these miracle things. So he would get excited about miracles again, excited about healing. And, and so he would go after it and wouldn't see it happen. So he would go back into this valley again of just this doubt and just trying to figure out what's going on. And then he would read something again and get excited and go after it. And he said, I went through this cycle of being, going after it and then withdrawing for years and years and years. And he said, I finally got to a point where I didn't even bother praying for people for healing unless they asked me to because I had become just so disillusioned by it. And so he, he said, you know, I, 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 that, that was kind of the state I was at for, for several years was, was I believed in it, but I didn't pursue it because I'd become so disappointed by the results. 
And he said, but then one, uh, one year they went to a John, I think it's John Wimber. I know it's Wimber. I think it's, his first name's John. Is that right? Yes. He went to a John Wimber conference who was a well-known healing evangelist, had lots of fruit from that in his ministry. And he uh, witnessed, he said it was, he said it was the most uh, encouraging and disappointing conference he had ever been to. It was encouraging because he had seen uh, miracles take place through this ministry, but it was discouraging because nothing that they, te- they taught was different from what he had been teaching. And he was like, I was hoping that they were going to give me some sort of formula or reason or whatever. But he said nothing that he said they even used some of the same examples that I would use. He said, so I was frustrated because I had been teaching this stuff, but not bearing the fruit of it. And so he said he went home. And that's, that's what he, the, the conclusion he came to with the, was the quote I read you. He came to the conclusion that, that I either have to completely discredit the idea of miracles or I have to embrace it. And then, then pursue it because it's what the Bible asks us to do. And I have to pursue it and I have to begin to see fruit from what I believe. And so he said, at that point, I was determined that I was not going to give up on this pursuit of seeing the miraculous happen through, through the ministry. And he said, even at that point, there was ups and downs. There was, there was times where, where he got really upset and really uh, disappointed in it, but he still pursued. And he said, he went through years again of that. And so it was this huge, huge process. He said, but then one day, I walked into a hardware store. And he said, it was in that hardware store where all of this changed. One day, he walked into a hardware store. And the man who owned the hardware store was sitting at the counter and he, uh, he was asking him how he was doing, and the man said, well, I've actually, my arthritis has gotten so bad in my hands that I'm not even able to pick up my tools anymore. Like, it's, it's gotten that bad. I'm just in pain all the time in my hands. And uh, he, Bill said he, he knew, he felt like, okay, I got to pray for this guy. But he looked around the room, and he said, he, he said there was a, just a bunch of people in the hardware store. And he's like, I really don't want to do it right now because... I don't want to pray, and then all these people witness it, and it doesn't work, you know. So he's like, so I really didn't have very strong faith at that moment. So he said, he, he instead, he, he said, well, I'm sorry about that, and then paid and then left. He said, but then the next day he woke up just feeling just this, this drawing or this calling from the Lord to go pray for this guy. And so he's like, I had to obey. So he went back to the hardware store. He said he walked in the doors, and he looked around, and there's nobody there. And he was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Pressure's off. So he, he walked up to the guy and he said, hey, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray that you'd be healed. And so the guy, the guy wasn't a believer and the guy said, well, I'm, okay, that's fine. And so Bill laid his hands on the guy and prayed and it happened. Instantly, the man was healed. His arthritis in his hands went away. He was able to grip his tools. He did all the, he did all the testing out, was able to grip his tools, saw an incredible miracle happen right there. And when that happened, it broke, is what he says. He said, as soon as that happened, it was like some, we broke through something and we began experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle in our church. And he said, you know, of course, it, it, there's still times where we pray and it doesn't happen. We pray and it doesn't happen, but then there are times, way more often than not now, where we pray and God moves and we see a miracle happen. And as I was reading that, I'm like, man, 
That sounds exactly like where I'm at. Let me, let me read a little bit more of this scripture to you here in Mark. Here in Mark, where was I at in Mark? Do you, or do you know where I was at, Chad? Are you there? Yeah, you are. Man, he's good, isn't he? He says, what are you arguing about with these religious scholars, he asked them. A man spoke up out of the crowd. Teacher, he said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. Verse 19, I'm gonna switch here to the Bible. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> Verse 19. It says, Jesus said to the crowd, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus as, so they brought him to Jesus. As soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied, it tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire or water. But please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? If you are able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears, saying, I do believe. Lord, help my little faith. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And that's where I feel like I am. And that's where I feel like most of us are. I believe with everything in me that my God can do anything. Not only that, I believe he will. He wants to do it. Because I think a lot of times our, our issue isn't whether or not he can I think everybody in this room would say, absolutely, God can heal. Our question is, will he? Will he do it? And I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels and when I read, when I read the Bible, you know, the, um, I'm on a Bill Johnson kick apparently this morning, but Bill Johnson says that Jesus is perfect theology. The Bible says that when you look at Jesus, you see the Father, he is perfect theology, so whatever Jesus did is the way the Father is. I never once have seen in Scripture where Jesus refused to heal. Never once. In fact, this is one of the only, only Scriptures in the Bible, at least that I know of, where the boy wasn't healed the first time. Where the disciples brought the boy to be healed, or the, the father brought the boy to the disciples to be healed and they were unable to do it. But even though the disciples were unable to do it, Jesus said, bring the boy to me. So it wasn't a lack of God's will that he wasn't healed by the disciples. There was something else lacking. But it wasn't the will of God. So this is where I find myself and I, and I, I think that a lot of us find us is I believe with everything inside of me that God heals and I believe with everything inside of me that he wants to, that it's his will, it's his desire, it's his plan to heal us. But Lord, help our unbelief. Because we've been disappointed 
several times. And we know that it's not his lack. We know that it's, that it's, it's something else is why we're not seeing it, but we don't know what it is. And because of that, we become disillusioned. We become disappointed. And we need help with our belief. And I believe that this morning, that's what the Lord has come to do. When I was preparing this morning and I came across that verse right there, I heard the Lord say that he's wanting to come this morning and heal our faith. He's wanting to come this morning and heal our unbelief. That he wants to come and, and give us a new drive to go after the fullness of what he has for us. That in that we would never, that our core, that our foundation would be that God is good all the time, no matter what. And that out of that flow, that we can pursue the fullness of what he has for us because we know that he's good and we know what his will is. And I wish, man, I wish I could stand up here and give you formulas for why it's not happening. Again, I, I know that there's, there's different reasons of why healing may not happen. There's no one answer. There, there just isn't. There's many different things in the Bible that, that could explain maybe some different reasons why, but there's not really one good answer. I believe that a lot of it has to do with what the scripture says. It says that we still see in part and we know in part. And that one day we'll see in whole as we are seen. And so I don't know if we'll ever have a perfect answer. If we don't yet, I don't, I don't know that we ever necessarily will. But what we do know is that the Bible says that these works that I do, greater works you will do in me, through me. And I believe that this morning, that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to come and to heal our unbelief. Amber made a good analogy when I was talking to her about this. She said, for a lot of us, believing for healing is like a person who has had their heart broken by a relationship. It's hard to go after another relationship for fear that it won't work out again. But the truth is, unless you allow yourself to be vulnerable again, you will never have the opportunity to love again. And I thought that was the perfect analogy that a lot of us in this room have had the heartbreak of praying with everything that we have for someone to be healed and it not happening. And I think what the Lord is calling us into right now is another vulnerable state of putting ourselves back out there again and pursuing the fullness of what he has for us. Amen? Again, I don't come with answers to questions of why it doesn't happen, but what I do come with this morning is a word from the Lord that he wants to heal our faith again. He wants to heal our faith again. I wanna specify this as well. It's not about going after signs and miracles, okay? A lot of people, a lot of, a lot of ministries I've seen make signs and miracles their emphasis. And they make it all about going after signs and miracles. And we saw what happened in that, with that in scriptures. Others did that. Remember when the crowds would come to Jesus and demand a sign. 
they would demand a miracle from Jesus. They would, they would demand that he would show them, prove, they would say, prove to me that you're the Messiah and who you said you are. Even though he's proven over and over and over again already who he was, they would demand a sign. And that's not what we're after this morning. We're not demanding God come with miracles. We're not going after miracles for the sake of miracles. It's about going after, here's, here's what it is about. It's about going after the fullness of what he has for us. Our pursuit is not about what's in his hand. Our pursuit is about him. We're going after God with everything that we have. We're seeking after him. We're looking to him for everything. We're not going after his hand, what he has. We're not going after his hand. We're going after him. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and realize that I didn't walk in the fullness of what he had for us because of disappointment. I don't want to look back at my life and, and, and even have given up an inch of our inheritance as sons and daughters because of disappointment or because of lack of understanding. So we're pursuing him, but we're believing for the fullness of our inheritance as sons and daughters. We're believing for the fullness of our inheritance. And I believe for us to be able to move forward, to move forward in pursuing the fullness of everything that he has, that he's gonna have to come this morning and heal our unbelief. He's gonna have to heal our, dis, our disappointment. He's gonna have to heal our disillusionment. And he's going to have to re-stir in us a faith like a child to believe that our God, that our Father can do absolutely anything. That when we bring something to him to fix, that he is more than capable of doing that. And not only is he more than capable, he's a better father than I am because he actually wants to fix it. And so this morning, man, I don't, I don't even know how to do this exactly. And I had more in my notes, but I'm gonna just, just, just skip them for now because, because I believe that the Lord wants to move in this moment right now. And so I want everybody just to stand up with me this morning. Jesus. Here's what I want to do for this first part. What I want you to do this morning is if, if that, that speaks to you, if you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, which I believe there's probably many of us in this room, including myself, where our unbelief has been pretty strong because of disappointment, that we're in the same place that the Father was, that he looked up to Jesus in tears and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my little faith. If that's, if that's where you're at this morning, then I want you just to lift both hands in the air with me. And I believe that the Lord is gonna come this morning and sweep over us and begin healing our unbelief. He's going to begin revealing again his faithfulness and his, tr his trustworthiness. And we're going to begin to be able to believe again for the fullness of his goodness, the fullness of our inheritance. So, Father, 
God, I just pray right now just that you would sweep over this congregation, Jesus. God, many of us have had broken hearts, Jesus, over this thing of unbelief. Many of us have experienced just tremendous disappointments. Lord, it's not little things. It's not just little colds. It's not just little, uh, just minor things, Father, that we've prayed for. God, we've prayed for big, miraculous things, Jesus. We've prayed, God, we, we've prayed for cancer to be gone, Father. God, and we've be, been disappointed by the lack of fruitfulness to our prayers. God, we know that the lack is not in you, Jesus. God, and we know that you don't place a burden on us for it being our responsibility. So Lord, God, I just pray that you would come to us this morning, that you would sweep over us, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do, Jesus, and begin to heal our unbelief, Father, causing us a faith to rise up, God, that is greater than anything else, Father, a faith that can move mountains, Jesus, a faith, God, that, that is only given by the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Begin to move on our hearts this morning and heal our unbelief, Jesus. God, we cry out to you with tears today, Lord. God, that we believe you can do anything, God. Heal our unbelief, Jesus. We believe you can do anything. Heal our unbelief, Father. Heal our unbelief, Jesus. Heal our unbelief now, Lord. God, we don't want to look back on our lives. We don't want to look back at our lives and, and see where we've missed the fullness of what you have for us, Jesus, because of disappointment. God, heal our unbelief, Lord. Heal our unbelief, Jesus. God, I still believe that this congregation, as was spoken, prophesied through our pastor, Pastor Ron, years ago, that this would be a cancer-free zone. Father, I still believe that word, God. I still believe that word, Lord Jesus. I still believe that people are going to walk into this sanctuary, Lord, that are going to be broken and that are going to be physically hurt, and they're going to experience the fullness of the inheritance of the kingdom. God, that they're going to experience heaven on earth. In heaven, there is no sickness. There is no disease. So, Father, we just believe now that heaven is going to come to earth, Jesus. God, and that we are going to be walking vessels, that we're going to be a colony of heaven, and in this place, that healings will take place, that miracles Miracles will take place, God, and it will be a sign of your glory, and it will be a sign that your kingdom has come to earth, Jesus. God, and that multitudes would come to know and come into a relationship with the Father because they have experienced the power of the kingdom. God, I still believe this is a beacon of hope, Jesus. I still believe that this place is going to be a beacon of hope to people. I still believe that this place is a beacon of hope to people, Jesus. God, not even within these four walls, Jesus. <laughs> but Lord, as we renew our faith, Lord, I, that even as, as Bill Johnson's testimony, and I know of several other healing ministers who the healing didn't start in the church, it started in the marketplace, it started in the world. God, as we begin to experience this healing of our faith, Jesus, that we are gonna walk into our places of work, that we're gonna walk into the marketplace and that we are gonna begin to see healings take place wherever we go, that these signs will follow those who believe, that these signs will follow those who believe, that they will cast out demons, they will speak with other tongues, that they will not, that anything deadly touches their lips, it will not be able to harm them, that that, that healing will come from them and that, that your word would be spread, that the gospel would be spread in power through those who believe Jesus. God, I still believe it with everything inside of me. Heal our unbelief, Jesus. 
Heal our unbelief, Jesus. Heal our unbelief, Jesus. You are faithful, God. God, I declare and I prophesy right now that you are faithful. You are true and you are trustworthy. That your word is trustworthy. God, that when you say that greater signs will follow those who believe, God, that that statement is trustworthy. God, that we are not moved by what we see, Lord, around us, that we are only moved by your words, God. We are only persuaded by your words. God, that just as salvation is so real to us, that just as being forgiven and just as the cross is so real to us, that healing and miracles would become real to us, Jesus. That we would be convinced of how good you are, Father. God, in that that when disappointment comes, God, that we would not become disillusioned by it, but that it would cause us to seek you even deeper and to seek you even harder, Jesus. To press further into you, Jesus. God, we believe you and we trust your word. We trust your word. Heal our unbelief, Father. this story, the disciples come back to Jesus and they're confused because again, the, back in several chapters earlier, they were given this authority to, to do the work of the ministry, to do what Jesus was doing. And they have, the Bible says that they had success in that and they were seeing people healed and they were seeing demons cast out and they're seeing all this happen. And so you can imagine how confused they were when the boy got brought to him and they weren't able to do it. And so later on after uh, everybody left and it says they go, got back to whatever house they were staying at and it says the disciples came up to Jesus and they asked Jesus, they say, why were we unable to do it? Why were, were we unable to heal the boy? And Jesus, I'm just gonna paraphrase it. Jesus says it's for your, for, because of your unbelief. And then uh, what I love about how he ends this, this paragraph is he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, what's interesting about that is, is Jesus didn't pray for the boy at that moment. And I don't know, he could have been fasting at that point, but he didn't pray for the boy. He just told the demon to leave, right? So we know that when Jesus says this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, he's talking about a relationship with the Lord, that, that this only happens through relationship. This only happens by prayer and fasting. And, and I wanna take that even a step further and say that Jesus was not only talking about the ability to cast out the demon, but the ability to overcome unbelief comes through relationship. And I believe that, that the Lord can work in two ways. I believe he can do things in an instant. And I believe he's done that this morning and several of us, he's initiated this thing of restoring our belief and restoring our faith and healing our faith. But I wanna tell you that there's no greater way for your faith to be renewed than to stare in the face of God. There's no better way for you to believe that your God can do anything than if you see him for yourself. 
So what I want to commission you with this morning is, is several things. One, let's go away from this place and be vulnerable again. Let's go away from this place. And, and maybe you're, you're like, maybe even I've been and, and how Bill Johnson had talked. Maybe you become disappointed to the where you don't even pursue prayer for miracles unless you're asked. Let's be vulnerable again and begin praying for signs and wonders and miracles to happen again. So let's be vulnerable again. But then also this, go home and up your relationship with the Lord. Up your devotional life. If you spent five minutes in prayer a day, spend 10 minutes in prayer a day. Seek after the Lord with everything you have because once again, we're not going after what he can offer us. If we were just going after what we can offer us, then we can just forget about devotion and just pray for healing. But what we're going after is his face, his goodness, a relationship with him. And that out of that relationship, he'll begin to release the fullness of our inheritance as sons and daughters. So I encourage you once again, go home, up your devotion, up your relationship, up your pursuit of who he is because this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. That, that unbelief leaves when we see his face. I, I, real quick again, I'm reminded of Job. All these things happened to Job, and the Bible says at the end of Job, the book of Job, that it says that when he saw God's face, he said, I'm good, because he saw the goodness of the Father. So I encourage you, go home, seek his face this week. Seek his face this week, amen? Amen. God, you are so good to us. Father, we believe you can do absolutely anything. God, we stand in childlike wonder and declare that our dad can do anything. We believe you can do anything, God. We believe you can do anything. We love you so much, Lord. We honor you this morning in Jesus' name.